thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. Yeah. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not try to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my to head. the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. Matthew chapter 20, turn with me if you would. Matthew chapter 20. And uh, we'll start reading in verse 30. There's just a particular phrase that is in this passage that I wanted to spotlight for a moment. Matthew chapter 20, verse 30. This is the Amplified Classic translation I'm going to read out of. So if you have that one available, you may want to jump on to that translation. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 30. And it reads, And behold, two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out. Look at this. When they heard something, they did something. All right. That Jesus was passing by and they cried out, Lord, have pity and mercy on us, you son of David. So they're, they're addressing him with his messianic name. They believe who he is. They've heard something about this, this one. Verse 31, the crowds reproved them and told them to keep still, but they cried out all the more. Don't let people who aren't calling tell you to shut up. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have pity and mercy on us, you son of David. And Jesus stopped and he called them. So notice their calling stopped him from going past them. What stops power from passing you by? What you're saying, what you're calling. He wasn't making them their, his goal, so to speak. He wasn't, they weren't his destination that day, but that didn't matter to them. That's right. They stopped him in his divine progress. And verse 32, and Jesus stopped and called them. When you call him, he'll do some calling to you too. And called them and look at this, what he said to them. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do? For you, And they answered him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. People would have said, well, it would be obvious that a blind man would need his eyes open. Why would Jesus ask that? He was really saying, what are you expecting? Not what condition are you in? What are you expecting? They answered him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes and instantly they received their sight. Look at this and followed him. It matters what you do after you receive your miracle. It matters where you go. 
And the Bible so often records where these people went after they received, because that's going to determine what they're able to hold fast to. That's right. That's right. You can't just go anywhere. Amen. And hold fast to what you received when you were with him. Amen. But I love the statement in verse 32. What do you want me to do for you? So it shows us that he allows us and invites us to direct his movement in our lives. Amen. He places no limits on his doing. He didn't say, I'll do such and such for you. He said, what do you want me to do for you. Haven't you ever gone to a restaurant and they set, you sat down and the waitress, the server comes up and says, what would you like? Anything within their reach, anything within their authority, you can ask for. They don't decide what you ask for. Even so with Jesus, he's not the one that decides what we get. And religion will tell you he decides. He doesn't decide. He said, what do you want me to do for you? The words of a servant. I said the words of a servant. If we back up just two verses from where we started reading, In verse 28, Jesus said, just as the son of man came not to be waited on, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, the price paid to set them free. So he has just said this to his, those following him. And then he goes on the way and he demonstrates what he just said in verse 28 by saying, what do you want me to do for you? When I see one definition of the word serve, it means to provide with a regular or continuous supply of something. So Jesus said, what would you like me to provide with a continuous supply of? Amen. This goes to show us that God goes where faith puts him. God doesn't decide where he goes. We decide where he goes. He shows up for faith. He hastens to his word to perform it. Someone asked me in an interview recently, they said, uh, Pastor Nancy, uh, how have you got your people and your congregation to feed on the word? in their own devotional and private lives. And I said, well, you you teach them this, and that is this. God hastens to his word to perform it. If you'll put the word in you, you give him something to perform. If you don't put the word in you, he has nothing to perform. The Holy Ghost is a performer. He is a performer. And when we, the day we say is the day he performs. The day we don't say is the day he can't perform for us. So we de- we decide the performance of God in our lives by what, what we're doing with his word. And Jesus offered this man a blank check. 
Hallelujah. A divine blank check. What do you want me to do for you? He's the miracle worker. We're not. It's not up to us to, to be healed. It's up to us to receive healing. It's up to him to do the doing. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I wanted to share with you a couple of visions that Dad Hagen had, but also that my husband had. These visions, if you don't have Dad Hagen's book, I Believe in Visions, get it. If you have it, pull it out again and read it. Because although these visions happened to him, they happened for us. I've always taken personal possession of those things because in those I see answers for me. You'll see answers for you. When, it, when Jesus appeared to Dad Hagen with this credible prophet's office that he stood in, it must have been important. And we must treat it important. And just because the man isn't here, the revelation still is. And it's up to us to honor and hold to those things and not let them slip and not drift from those because they anchor us and help direct us in where we're advancing. And so Dad Hagen in his book called I Believe in Visions, uh, he tells of the story, I believe it's in chapter five, and he, the, the title is I've Come to Answer Your Prayers. And Dad Hagen told of Mom Hagen who had a goiter and she needed an operation on it. But he said, I sensed and I always had a knowing that, uh, that she would die prematurely. Not because God had sentenced that, but that was the plan that the enemy was trying to work right. against them. And he said, I sensed that if she had that operation, she wouldn't make it. And he said, uh, we, he said, I never said it to her, but evidently she sensed the same thing. And so he said she needed this operation. And he says, I had spent much time praying about it. And uh, he had pled his case with God. And after this time of praying about it, he was in Garland, Texas, holding a meeting one night. And at the end of the meeting, I want to read to you that occasion. Uh, Dad Hagen wrote, at the close of my meeting one night, a spirit of prayer descended upon the congregation and we all gathered around the altar to pray. We prayed for quite some time. And after a while, I got off my knees and sat on the steps to the platform. I was sitting there with my eyes open, singing in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance, when suddenly I saw Jesus standing about three feet in front of me. He said, I have come to answer your prayer. Doesn't that sound a lot like, what do you want me to do for you? Sounds a lot like that, doesn't it? He said, I have come to answer your prayer. Tell your wife to be operated on, for she will live and not die. So evidently, Jesus knew that there was a plan against her life, right? And he's referencing that. 
Uh, although I didn't mention it to my wife, I, fe I had felt all along that if she were operated on, she would die. She later told me that she had known for several years that she would die when she was operated on for this goiter. But the Lord said to me, she will live and not die. Then he said this to Dad Hagen, according to the natural course of events without divine intervention, she would have died. But I have heard your prayers and have come to answer them. She shall live. Then, now this is why I'm reading this to this next segment. Then Jesus said something that absolutely melted me and I've never been able to forget it. It blessed and helped me then and it still blesses me. He said, I did this son just because you asked me to. Just because you asked me to. Then he goes on and says, you don't know how I long. Listen to that, how I long. You long for things, but he has longings. And his longings are in our direction. He said, you don't know how I long to do for my children. If they would only ask me, and believe me, not just ask me, ask me and believe me, ask me and believe me. Say it with me. Ask me and believe me again. Ask me and believe me. Then he goes on and tells why people don't receive of his, of what he longs to do for them. He said, many times they beg and cry and pray, but they don't believe. And I cannot answer their prayers unless they have faith because I cannot violate my word. But how often I long to help them if they would only let me. Listen to that. Let me. Why are we not healed when we should be healed? We're not letting him. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. If they would only let me, then he tells us how to let him. Yes. Number one, by taking me at my word. Amen. Number two, by bringing me their problems. What's that mean? No worry. No worry. Casting all your care. Casting all your care about your body into his hands. I... Uh, I, I must tell you this. I will keep reminding you, as Paul said in Amplified Translation, it is not irksome to me to write to you again. He said, it is a precaution for your safety. So I'm not telling you something because I don't have something else to say. I'm not telling it to you over and over again. It's, I'm doing it for your benefit. Why? Because at a time of pressure, at a time of opposition, it's only what you get in you that you'll, that you'll remember. I remember a time when I had gone, I was probably about eight or nine years old and there was a carnival that came to Altus, which was big stuff, man, big stuff for Altus. Big, 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 big. And the neighbor said, uh, to my mother, Carolyn, we're going to take our kids to the carnival. Can Nancy come? She said, yes, she can come. And so I went in the house and mother gave me money for it. And it was a quarter to spend at the carnival. I wasn't interested in their rides. 
You know, that meant nothing to me. I was looking for the jewelry booth. Because good things start early in life. So I go up to the jewelry booth and eight or nine years old and I hand the guy, I, I put up there a quarter and say, what can I get? And he said, well, honey, that will buy you some chain and a little, you know, pendant. And you know it was fine because it's on a big spool there where you can see it. And he pulls off a section of that and puts a clasp on it and he puts a charm on it and I give him my quarter. Oh, I put that thing on. I lived in that thing night and day. I didn't take it off and the links were so fine on it, you know, because you could not easily, it was so tiny yeah, yeah, that you couldn't. And you know how those clasps were just like a, a nuisance to eight-year-old fingers, you know? They don't work right. And so I, I couldn't take it off and on myself. So I just left it on through my baths and sleeping and everything else. And so after a few weeks, that chain is so knotted up. So mother came in one day and I had taken it off and I was trying to pull out the knots. And it was, you know, the way you pull them out, you jerk them out. <laughs> you just jerk them and you keep jerking. So it, the jerking wasn't working. And... <laughs> So I said to mother, I said, would you undo this, get these knots out for me? And she said, hand it to me. So she took it and she pulled out a straight pin and little by little, she just worked that. And she worked out the first and the second and the third and the fourth knot. And she got to the last knot and she had it loosened and almost completely undone. And I saw, oh, it's almost undone and I wanted to finish it. So I, I took it back. I didn't just ask, I just jerked it back and I'm going to finish it, you know, because everybody likes to finish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got it and I'm going to finish it. And so I start jerking it and put the knot back. And mother just stood there and looked at me with disgust and said, if you will put it back in my hand and leave it there, I'll finish the job. But if you're going to take it, I can't finish it. This is called casting your care. Casting all your care. Worry is you taking it back into your hands. Anything that you're worried about is in your hands. Whether it's your body, whether it's your children, whether it's your job, whether it's your finances, you know what's in your hands by checking what you're worrying about. How do you know if you're worrying? If you're thinking about it. If you're thinking about it, that equals worry. So Jesus said here, he said, I, how, I, how often I long to help them if they will only let me. By taking me at my word, look at this, bringing me their problems. Bringing me their problems. Leave them there. He said, I long to help them. What keeps him from helping us when we don't leave our problems with him? And we take them back and think, oh, it's better now. There's a little bit of relief now. We're not looking for relief. We're after victory. Because relief is not always victory. 
Sometimes it will lessen, opposition will lessen, but that doesn't mean that victory has been laid hold of. And Jesus said, how I long to help them if they would only let me. That's what we need to become skillful at, letting him. Letting him. You have to practice that. You don't get it good at anything without practicing it. If they would only let me, and then he tells us how to let him by taking me at my word. And that's number one. Number two, bringing me their problems. Number three, trusting me to undertake for them. What's that mean? He's our personal helper. He is the world's savior, but he is our personal savior. Amen. Again, this is Dad Hagen. Again, Jesus said, tell your wife to be operated on, for she will live and not die. With those words, he disappeared. Even though the doctors were greatly concerned about my wife's condition, Aretha and I had great joy through it all. Why? Because we knew the outcome in advance. God never intends us to not know the outcome. If we will take time to pray in the spirit, the spirit will show us things to come so that we always know the outcome by his word and by his spirit that will reveal it. People would say, well, if Jesus appeared, why didn't he just go over and heal her so she didn't have to go through the operation? Don't dismiss yourself from that miracle. Amen. Amen. It might not have been the way others thought it should have happened. But this is the importance of following the Holy Ghost. How does he tell you to do it? Don't decide what you will or won't do. Look to the Holy Ghost because he's always going to lead you in line with your measure of faith. He will never lead you beyond your measure of faith. The devil will try to guilt trip you in to acting beyond your measure of faith as though you should be further along. Others believe, why don't you? You don't take counsel from someone who failed. Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. Don't take counsel from fear. Don't take counsel from worry. Don't take counsel from pressure. All of that's from the enemy. Because the Holy Spirit will always lead you in line with your measure of faith. And if you'll, if you'll go with your measure of faith, you'll always succeed. Even if it looks like a different route than you would have chosen. And one of the things through the years of pastoring and ministering, I've had people come up to me and I would say, How's, how are you doing? Tell me about what, what, what is going on with you. Well, Pastor Nancy, they say, I, I, need, a, I need an operation, but I'm not going to have it. Oh, okay. I said, uh, why are you not going to have it? I don't want it. Well, I don't blame you. I don't know anybody who wants one. I don't know anybody who wants one. But I said, I'm not asking you that. What do you have in your heart? Don't call what you want the leading of the Spirit. Because I'm sure that really that would have been nice if she would have not had to have that operation, just naturally speaking. But Jesus said, Jesus said, tell her to have the operation. There's where your success is following what Jesus said, what the Holy Spirit said. There's your success. 
Well, Pastor Nancy, I wanted to believe God and not have to go through that. The Holy Ghost will never be a partner to something that is going to be a, a negative in your life. If he said do it, you're safe. And don't let the devil accuse you for not taking a different road. Because when you follow the Holy Ghost, you're on the best road for your life at that time. Why? Because the, Ho the Holy Ghost is not going to lead you based on your measure of faith you want to have. He's not even going to lead you based on the measure of faith you had last year. He's going to lead you based on your measure of faith today. 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 And anything he's involved in is a success. So just do what he says without you... Uh, many mentally calculating and measuring and figuring it out. Yeah, amen. 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 Success is his wisdom. That's right. As Dr. Winston was talking to us about, right? Amen. amen. Um, <clears throat> then in, I believe it's chapter seven of the same book, when Dad Hagen talks about the chapter entitled The Hospital Visitor, where Dad Hagen had been on the road preaching and he slipped and fell and injured his arm. And uh, they had to put him under to put some muscles and things back in place. Therefore, they kept him in the hospital to observe him. And the next day after he had been there, uh, he heard footsteps coming down the corridor he walks, he looks up as he hears someone walking into his room. He thought it was a nurse. He looked up and it was Jesus walking in. Jesus walked over, pulled up a chair and sat next to his bed and talked to him for the next hour and a half. Amen. And he told him, he said, this did not happen uh, because of me. He said, the devil did this. He said, it's not my will that this happened. But he said, but I permitted it. Because I needed to get your attention. He said, you're going, this, you're going the wrong direction. You have some things out of order in your spiritual life, basically. And he said, if I would have let you continue with things out of my will, he said, you'd have been dead by the time you're 55. So he said, I allowed, I permitted this, although I did not author it. And he said to get your attention so you could get back into putting some things back in place in my will. Now, then Jesus told this to Dad Hagen in that, that vision. He said, it is my will that none of my children ever be sick. That's right. Come on. Ever be operated on or ever have accidents. But he said, but that his children didn't always live in his best. What's his best? Never be sick, never be operated on, never have accidents. But he said, very few live in my best because, number one, they don't know what belongs to them. Number two, if they do know what belongs to them, their faith isn't strong enough to lay hold of it. Number three, or they're like, he said to, to Dad Hagen, or they're like you, they're in disobedience. Amen. The good thing is, all three of these things are fixable. Yes. Yes. That's right. yes. Amen. 
They don't have to be your destiny, your future. Every one of them are fixable. So if we want to live in God's best, he's telling us what three things to emphasize in our life. Number one, know what belongs to you. Number two, uh, have develop your faith so that you can lay hold of what belongs to you. Number three, obey him. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.